I want to talk a little bit about your sort of like evolution, like your history of your gear. Like what, sure. what happened after that guitar? Where did you go from there? The first guitar I ever bought was a 68 Fender Mustang. Sweet. Oh, wow. That's Although awesome. Although in 1992 or whenever it was. It was probably not expensive, right? It was a couple hundred bucks, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Amazing how things have changed. Yeah. Do you still uh, have it? No. Actually, Josh bought it um, in this short-lived music shop in Algonquin, Illinois, which is where we went to high school. Um, and the pickups are really low output on that, you know? Yeah. And he was like, oh, I don't like this at all. So he sold it to me for, it was like under 300 bucks. It mm -hmm. might have been 250 or 275 or something like that. Um, you got the brother rate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he sold it to me for, like, what he paid for. Yeah. Right. Um, and it was, like, a kind of a off-white. I don't know if it started that way or if it was just because it was old, but it was kind of a cream color. Yeah, probably aged. Yeah, white pickguard. And I actually played that guitar on the re studio recording of Need You Around. Oh, wow, awesome. That was my rhythm track. Was So it at least was immortalized in that mm -hmm. recording and then i sold it to my girlfriend she gave it to her younger brother as a gift and he had it for a long time but he eventually got rid of it too um great neck on the guitar mm -hmm. those are those are short scale right yeah they are yeah, yeah. Four inch. didn't stay in tune very good the yeah. floating bridge is so and you know it was i wasn't a very accomplished player and we're playing punk music, so I was just bashing on this right. thing. It of never course. stayed in tune. So of I course. got rid of it, sold it to, to my still a good friend, my friend Zan. She gave it to her brother. Cool. I got a Les Paul studio. Yeah, I guess it would have been 92 or so, 91. What kind of amps were you using around then? Uh, first thing I had was like a solid state Randall. Hell yeah. yeah. Speaking, <laughs> yeah of, speaking of Pantera riffs. Which I think i used and it was a small one it was like a mini stack oh okay where like i had two 112 cabinets <laughs> <That's> awesome, <laughs> with the gray fuzzy stuff on yeah. the outside oh, you, gotta, you gotta get that carpet covered yeah, baby <laughs> and kind of a somewhat low wattage smaller randall head which i used on get fired our first album no That's way really I, I used the les paul through that randall cool. Um, not a great sounding amp, but whatever. <laughs> I still love that record. Um, and then I got a Marshall Valve State right when they first started making those. Okay. It was the only Marshall I could afford. Not a bad sounding amp. Mm -hmm. I used a lot of that on Born to Quit. I used a Marshall Valve State on some of those tunes. Um, I wish. Were you, wish doing, were you doing any pedals at all back then? Not really. We early on. Like the first really big show we ever played was um, when Green Day put out Dookie. Green Day were fans of ours. They they helped us get signed. Damn. Not that we are like tight friends with them, but they had heard us through the punk grapevine. That's cool. And when they came through for Dookie, like the first time they played Chicago, they played the Vic. And they asked the promoter to get us on the bill. Wow. Whoa. And 
That's a, that is that is such an amazing thing. Like when you ha- when you wield that kind of power and you actually like someone to be able to say, "Hey, I want to bring you with me." That is, I mean, what a gift. I mean, you know, at that time they were the kind of band that would play the Vic. They were not the biggest band, sure, the, like yeah. they are right. now, one of the biggest bands ever. Sure. They were putting out their first major label album. They had put out what a couple full lengths before yeah. that. Yeah, there's, yeah, one or two. There's, there's two before that. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, Kerplunk and uh, ten thousand, ten thousand, yeah, feet of So, um, the promoter had no idea how to get a hold of us. He he didn't know how to get in touch with us. So he just put us on the bill. <laughs> and he and without even asking first. <laughs> yeah, he just put us like in wow. the listing, and Matt. The three of us were really broke. We were all living in this one-bedroom apartment together. And Matt came home from work one day and was like, guys, I think we're opening for Green Day. Holy I saw shit. it in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Yeah. It yeah. Totally worked. Was it like the reader or something? Like yeah, it, it was the Trib, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So I I think I had the Valve State. <laughs> was there another band called the Smoking Popes? What's going yeah, on here? Right? But I, I remember for that show, I borrowed my friend Bill's amp. He had kind of a clean, might have been a PV head or some sort of like clean head and a 412. And he had a Marshall Governor pedal. Mm-hmm. That's their compressor, I believe, right? Or is that a, it's is a, that a distortion? Drive? Oh, it's a distortion. Yeah, okay. it's, a, it's a drive. And, uh, so I borrowed his amp because it was it sounded way better than my amp. <laughs> Bill Bill played in a band called the Groovy Love Vibes out from our area that we knew. We did a split seven inch with them. Um, so I asked him if I could borrow his amp just because it sounded better than what I was my Valve State or the the Randall. So at that show I played. I, I can't remember what that head was, but I know I played that Governor pedal. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was like the first pedal I ever used, and up until that point, I mean, I'm obviously the Vic is a huge venue for a band at that time, like and especially for us. Well, so I was, were, were, what know. kind of places were you guys? Had you been playing much live and doing that sort of stuff already at that we, point? We were playing as much as we possibly could because yeah. we were just starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, we had put out "Get Fired," you know, f- uh, three or four seven inches in mm-hmm. our first full length, and maybe. Maybe we'd recorded Born to Quit, or I think we had started recording Born to Quit. I can't remember if it was out or not, because that was 94, I think. But So you were already touring and doing regional we're stuff? We were really touring. Yeah. We were playing around Chicago sure. and regionally mm-hmm. as any show we could get, really. Right. Um, you know, we started out in basements and garages and, you know, different DIY spaces. You know, it's like when you are a bunch of guys from this far suburbs mm-hmm. you don't and you like you're like how do we get a show in this yeah. city mm-hmm. like we don't know how to do that right yeah especially then um, you can just email people or you know even yeah, fi- even find we, a phone we've got number. a thousand instagram right. followers here you go it, it is notable to say this was all pre-internet yeah. so it was like <laughs> you know one of our first shows in the city was at somebody's loft down on probably down on lake or sure. somewhere like and we played with you know, some other, like, probably No Empathy, I think, and some other bands that were around at the t- like, Johan's Face bands, and uh, there was a, a spot called Too Far West, which I think was near 
Activision and Damon mm-hmm. that did punk shows in the back room, no stage. Huh. You know, it was like spots like that. Yeah, you okay. Know? And then now jump into the Vic. And so we were playing shows like that. Anything we could get. I can't remember because the first Metro shows we played were like ticket giveaways. Sure. Okay. Yeah, you had to pay to play. They did like weekday nights. They had a thing called Rock Against Depression. Oh, okay. cool. And it was ticket giveaways. So, you know, if you brought in a certain amount of tickets, mm-hmm. you yeah. could get another show. We did a couple of those. Cool. And we may or may not have done one of those, but um, that was like an early city show for us, and it was big. It's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. Because it, it was sold out, I think, and it was us. They were on tour with Pansy Division and Tilt. So we played first. Um, but that was the first time I remember like using a pedal live was a Marshall Governor. Did you did you stick with it? Because I know you borrowed it. Did you wind up using more, or was did you no. kind of go back to straight into the amp after that? Yeah, that was like too much for me. Yeah. <laughs> the one pedal was that's like, a lot ah. to do. Yeah, I just didn't want to have to think about stuff. Yeah, like, just get an amp with distortion. Uh, and I think the I think the valve state might have stopped working. Okay, I think that's why I didn't play it. Maybe it's hard to remember exactly, of course. but because that was a decent amp, mm-hmm. the Marshall valve state. Well, um, so then I, after that would have been all the destination failure, that kind of stuff. Were you, what Do you remember what your gear you are using back then? Sure. I bought to tour because Born to Quit was out on Johan's face. It got bought by Capital. Mm-hmm. And I bought a JCM 900. Nice. New. Hell yeah. From the guitar center that used to be in Clark. Um, like a JCM 900 SLX, whatever. Yep. And that was a pretty good head. So I used that touring for Born to Quit once we got signed. And I had that when we started recording Destination Failure, um, which we recorded with Jerry Finn. And he's like, you should get this amp that Billy Joe and Blake used, (laughs) which is a Marshall Super Lead reissue with the Master Volume mod. Okay. So I got that. I think that didn't. I, in fact, I believe Dunlop recently made a pedal that's like supposed to sound like that. Yeah, the amp. Dookie pedal. The Dookie pedal. It's, pretty oh, cool right. sound, it's a pretty cool sound. I haven't pedal. actually tried one. I mean, I've watched the video. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And it sounds pretty good in the video. Okay, cool. And it's a particular kind of crunchy distortion. I think that's a cool that um, companies are making those kinds of pedals yeah. where they're mimicking a setup, you know, of a specific thing that you can't easily get. Oh yeah. Um, or, and most people, even if you can get that particular Marshall, most people can't turn them up to the proper volume anyways to, yeah. to get that sound out of them. Yeah. It's part of the reason I stopped. I sold this amp eventually, but I, for many years I used the Marshall super lead with the master volume mod. Mm-hmm. But the thing is the mod process took a long time. We bought it and took it to a guy mm-hmm. and um that's also when i bought my telly jr did, did we already you were talk telling about me a little this? bit but we weren't recording okay. so we i missed all that yeah so we gotta love to hear about definitely that talk about that yeah i mean how long is this podcast normally as long as we want yeah. oh okay yeah um i edit things too for sure so okay know, we'll cool yeah you know uh, feel free to edit this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I already said a couple dumb things I'm planning on chopping out. Don't worry about all right. it. Um, so yeah, that's, we didn't know much about gear and we went into the studio for destination failure. That was the album we were recording for Capitol mm-hmm. records. 
And luckily we hooked up with Jerry Finn, who had done Green Day and was a young guy who was an assistant engineer and um, Green Day were mixing Dookie. They had a a friend of theirs mix it and they weren't happy with the mix and they had kind of hit it off with Jerry, who was an assistant, and they gave him a shot. And Jerry was kind of a genius in his own way. And And so is that the mix we all know and love now? Yeah, like they were like, give you a shot. And he did this amazing mix of, I don't know, it might have been just one song or something. They were like, all right, cool, mix the whole thing. The the story is something like that. Sure. And then he did a couple albums of theirs, and he did, you know, Rancid Out Come the Wolves, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, he went on to do a bunch of shit, Blink-182 and Sub-41 and Morrissey and whatever, but... Um, so he was a total gear, like he's like a tech where when he, you know, when he would buy amps, he would take them apart and put them back together. Right. Cool. Um, we knew very little about gear other than we wanted to sound, you know, have our, get these guitar sounds that sounded somewhere between Angus Young and Johnny Ramone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I know that sounds good. To you know, me. maybe a little bit of Jay Mascus thrown in there. Some uh, loud, loud marshals. There yeah. It is. So, and they went amp shopping for Josh, and I was like, "Hey, so you see a green Telecaster? Let me know." You never see green Telecasters mm-hmm. or green guitars very much in general. Yeah. And they come back. They had gone to making music, and they were like, "Jerry's like, yep, yeah, saw a green Tele." So I went back the next day and bought it from sean hewlett i don't know if you know sean mm-hmm. he's a local musician worked at making music for a long time um which is no longer in chicago it's right. up north but yeah. good store um a friend of the podcast griff p griffin baron worked there for a while yeah. as well so what up, um, what's up griff so, so and sophie is currently checking out your pedal board so oh, cool you know, she's inspecting it for you yeah, she's probably like, oh, I've been wanting to hear that. <laughs> uh, she's like, I think I napped through that part last yeah. time. Thankfully, we're going to re-record it. Um, so where was I getting to? I so, want to hear about that telly. Oh, yeah. So I bought, I went in. I, I don't know much about it, but it's like a Fender custom shop. I was like, whoa, it's fancy. We've got a budget for the album from Capitol. Right. Sat down and played it. And I was like, this thing feels great. So, um, and it's this kind of weird fender gibson hybrid that fender custom shop made in 1995 for kind of a short amount of time what are the, um, what's the pickup and electronic arrangement it's a, in there it's a set neck which is kind of unique oh, super that's unique. super unique to and it's two seymour duncan super high output p90s oh that as it turns out are very very noisy pickups yes they and are the reason one of the reasons i stopped playing the guitar the other one is it was painted and finished all the way up the back of the neck and eventually, over time, I found it to be kind of sticky. Yep. Yeah, totally. So with the noisiness and the the you know the stickiness of the neck, over time I stopped playing it. But I played it a ton. It was my main guitar for a very long time, mm-hmm. like before we broke up, and then when we got back together, I was playing it also. Um, Did you ever get a like a? I know a lot of people will get a guitar like that and then maybe try to find a backup that sort of matches it. Did you ever do that or did you just kind of have a couple different kind of guitars out with you? No, I I mean, I own more guitars right now than I ever have. I never oh. really had that many guitars. Mm-hmm. 
As a backup, I bought a black Gibson SG, um, just a standard. Sweet. When we were doing Destination Failure, right before I bought a Gibson SG. Um, that guitar I never really connected with, and I sold, and I don't miss it all. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. It didn't stay in tune that well, and it just that modern SG neck that's a little bit flat, mm-hmm. I don't like. I like older SG necks that are more, I guess, C profile. Sure, a little more rounded. R- rounded, yeah. I like the I like that kind of neck. Um, but um, had you sort of paired that with any pedals at that point, or were you still going no, right into no the pedals? Marshall? I had the Master Volume mod, yeah, and the super lead like with a 100 watt super lead with the master volume mod is it just a shredding it's a great sound, sound. yeah it's, it's, it's great incredible if it ain't broke don't fix it right yeah and eventually we started using stage tuners but it took us a while <laughs> considering we like had a record deal and everything interesting we were just you know, we just didn't know that much. Well, so, and you're and you're playing punk music where you're bat- bashing on those guitars. Yeah, they've all got the to be yeah. out of tune. Like crazy. I just always had tuning. I mean, eventually I learned that I needed to focus my playing more, and I needed to have a stage tuner. And once that that all came together through recording Destination Failure and being under the microscope, mm-hmm. that's the first time we overdubbed everything oh, where like okay. we played together with mike like one but it was track. but it was only to get the drums yep. Yep. and then we went back and redid everything mm-hmm. and jerry put everything under the microscope he had a big rack strobe tuner yeah oh, yeah and everything had to be perfectly in tune and that microscopic recording process kind of sucks the fun out of it I mean, I think there's a way to balance it. Mm-hmm. We talk about that a lot. You know, yeah. The balance of like getting that good live energy, but also being able to, you know, do takes. and the- Yeah. We kind of needed it because we were pretty rough. Right. Um, we just had never done that. And um, so it was a good learning experience, but it, it was, you know, wasn't super fun for us. That ex- the learning of it, mm-hmm. you know, just going like, oh, geez, you know. The album turned out great. I'm very proud of it. But it I was agree like, wholeheartedly. We it's worked. Amazing. We worked very hard on it. You know, it doesn't uh, sound over over produced mm-hmm. and belabored though. You still, yeah. I, I, I still feel, feel the energy from yeah. your music. Yeah, I mean, just for us, we had never done that, so it was a pretty drastic change. Yeah. Um, I've heard all kinds of stories. You know. Uh, of people really being under the microscope like that. The story of like, uh, Mutt Lang and, uh, Oh, Def Leppard, Def Leppard, yep. where the, each string they did yes. each string at one. You've heard that oh, kind of stuff yep. for like a year and a half. Yeah. So that is, <laughs> you know, we didn't quite go that far, but, um, yeah, I used the green telly on that whole album and, the super lead was being modded. So Sean, who sold me that guitar and sold Josh an amp lent, lent us an 800. So mm-hmm. I used a JCM 800 for pretty much that entire album outside of a, maybe two songs. One of my, one of my all time and many guitars, all time favorite amp. I mean, it just, it does a, it does a, a perfect thing. Yeah. That a, a lot of other amps have tried to sound like, mm-hmm. and maybe not quite stacked up to the 800. I just, yeah, I love them. Kind of want another one. Um, so I like destination failure. You guys toured a lot on on that and did all that sort of yeah. stuff. How long, how long was it until you broke up after that record came out? 
That came out in 97 and we broke up in early 99. Okay. So you came out in the fall, late summer of 97 and then early full solid year touring. Did your, did your setup evolve any at all over that time or did you, you stuck with the telly and the, and the modded, uh, super lead. Yeah. Telly is P nineties through super lead. It's a hell of a sound. One thing I want to talk about, cause I want to, we'll, we'll continue the story, but one thing that, uh, that I've always really liked about your music and your playing is sort of the way everything fits together. There's, there is sonic space for everything. Do you, or how conscious are you and were you of that, of making sure you've got sort of complementary tones and complementary mm-hmm. parts? Cause I'll like, I like one of the things that I really have noticed about, about your band is sometimes you'll be playing kind of the same sort of chords in the same ranges, but then other times you're moving up the neck and kind of moving things around. Like, is that a conscious thing that you guys talk about and, and, and really dive into or did it or did it more evolve organically being this like hive mind brother band thing that we all wish we were actually in when we don't have brothers that to play music yeah. with? I mean, I think it's like anything kind of a combination of things where because the three of us grew up somewhat close in age and friends as brothers brothers and friends sure which isn't always the case no, absolutely and all listening to the same collection record collection um there is a little bit of an unspoken thing and and even when mike joined the 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 band we were very close friends with mike you know um we met mike and i was still in high school and uh josh lived with moved into Mike's parents' house for a little while early on in the smoking pope. So we were, so even when Mike joined, we all were just listening to brothers. Yeah. To the same music all the time. Um, but there were definitely, we took our music seriously enough and being in a band seriously enough to think about what we were doing to, to some degree. I mean, that, kind of um, became more refined as we went on. As I say, when we went to record Destination Failure, we didn't know that much about gear. We hadn't had much money to spend on it before that. So it was all about what we could afford. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, and uh, So I guess at that point, it does become more of a... Uh, a note choice or, or sort of arrangement choice than like a specific tone or gear choice. Yeah. What we learned about that stuff from the people who recorded us, our friend Phil Bonet recorded our early seven inches and born to quit. And he taught us about gear, guitar and amps a little bit. And from other musicians we knew and going to see people play you know, we picked up what we could, but we couldn't afford that much. Mm-hmm. You know? sure. And then when we did the destination failure, you know, we could afford to buy some stuff. And uh, Jerry Finn knew about gear, so right. he recommended stuff sure. to us. And yeah, it was just learning as you go along, you know. But th- that's the point when we, everything being under the microscope more, we were like, oh, this amp sounds different than that you amp. Start to hear the differences. Right? Yeah. You know, it's even there are these Marshall amps that sound different, you know, Mm -hmm. this Marshall amp sounds like that. That one sounds like that. Mm -hmm. You know, there are different pickups and guitars that sound (laughs) different, you know, like just stuff we hadn't thought that much about. So, um, I think for us, the, it was more about playing 
And our approach to playing was to be, try not to be too, it was focused, you know? Word. I guess. And that makes all the difference. I remember touring over the years and having people compliment us on our leads. And, And there's just a lot of stuff I never thought about until someone else pointed it out to me. Interesting. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You were like, I was just writing the part, but you didn't think it would be. Yeah, and my playing just came out of like, my brother showed me how to play and I kind of played like him. Sure. But then all the other stuff I was into that he wasn't into influenced my playing and made it different from him. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so anyways. So obviously, you know, we mentioned the breakup already. What happened then? Like, what did you what did you start doing next? Like, what what was your next move musically uh, after Smoking Popes took the what about what was it ten years or so? You guys weren't a thing. We broke up in '99. It was about six years. Six years, okay. Um, I started playing with. Well, we near the end of before we broke up, we had a phase where Josh stopped playing guitar, which is pretty ridiculous because Josh is such a great guitar player, (laughs) but he wanted to try it like just to do something different. So we got our friend Tom Cunahan to play guitar with us live, which he played with us up until, um, I don't know if it was a year before we broke up or maybe a little under that. And so, but Tom was doing his own, he played in a band called not Rebecca. That's how we knew him. And then he was doing solo stuff under their name, Tom Daly. And I started playing with Tom uh, after we broke up or maybe even before we broke up. So I was playing in Tom Daly's band. Uh, Playing guitar? Playing guitar, yeah. yeah. And then the guys that were in his band, two of the guys in Tom's band had another band. They were starting and asked me if I wanted to join that. And they, that was guitar, bass, drums. So, uh, or may, no, it was maybe just Mark Ruggiero was drumming for Tom. And he's like, hey, I have this other project. Do you want to come jam with us? And I was like, yeah, sure. We ended up calling that the men's group. And we played a, shows around for a couple of years and did one recording that we never released. Hmm. But that was a totally different kind of project for me, not punk, like this kind of... Uh, rock band where we jammed, but it was like, I don't know, maybe a little bit psychedelic just because we were jamming. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there were two guitars. I did the more self-indulgent, like, rock leads. Dan did more kind of textural stuff, and he sang. Um, And then playing with Tom, his kind of, like, melodic indie rock kind of stuff. Okay, and then when and then du, Duval happened at some point during this too. Duval started up around two thousand two. And were you, were you playing maybe? bass or guitar in that? Initially, I was playing guitar, and the bass player left, and then I switched to bass. Okay, and we were a three piece, which a three piece is nice and easy. Yeah, less gear you know? to move around. That's for sure. Yeah, I miss playing guitar, but then I realized playing bass is really fun. Hell yeah, it is. And really challenging when you're a guitar player. Bass boy over here is loving to hear that. What were you, uh, what was your setup like around that time? Um, Josh was using my super lead with the master volume mod. He was playing through that. And I 
think he had switched over to the Strat with the humbucker and the bridge at that point. And I was playing, I didn't have a bass. Rob <clears throat> Kellenberger, who replaced Mike Fellamley, was originally playing drums and Duval, a guy from Pope's. Mm -hmm. And then Rob replaced him. And Rob played in Slapstick and Tuesday and Colossal. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and then he joined um, Duval, and he had a Music Man Stingray that Dan Andriano had given him. Cool. Oh. Uh, Music Man had given this bass to Dan. He didn't care for it, so he gave it to Rob. I feel like Dan, he's, is he, is he a P bass or jazz, jazz bass? bass is oh, jazz bass, I think. Yeah, he's right? a Fender guy. Yeah. Uh, and it was this blue color that I didn't really care for, but the bass sounded... And played great. Yeah, those basses sound really cool. I love just, Ernie Ball they're basses. They're so punchy. Yeah. I, I just was like, man, this sounds too good. I don't really care about the blue. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't bother me enough to not play it. So Do Dave's favorite thing and throw a bunch of stickers on there. Ugh. He hates stickers hate on stickers instruments. On <laughs> yeah. It's a whole side tangent. That grinds my gear hooks. There it yeah. is. I only did the sticker thing once, and um, I was like, I, I don't know. I just, I, uh, one of the stickers is on the back of the guitar. I still have the guitar. Yeah. And the, on the top of it, I had put this Willie Nelson sticker, but uh, I I sold the guitar to my friend and he peeled it off. Right. I bought the guitar back from my friend. But stickers on a guitar, yeah. I, I'm not, just, it's I'm, a personal preference. I'm not mind. that into it. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm into it in theory. I just have never done it. Like I, I, I I'm open to the idea of yeah. it being cool, but I just haven't ever actually done it myself. I don't like the, uh, like it leaves the tan line on the paint over yeah. the, over time. And that just really makes me sad Yeah, <laughs> cause it's hard to fade it back to the original, you know, for sure. Yeah. So I, I mean, it wasn't my base, so I couldn't do it anyways. Yeah. Um, so I just played that the what, whole time. I what rig were you using like an SVT or something like that? Yeah. The guy, I bought, because I started, the guy who was playing bass in Colossal, Duval and Colossal were sharing a practice bass, and Jeff, who was the original bass player in Colossal, left the band because he was a teacher and couldn't tour, and um, I bought his amp, and it was a SVT4, maybe? Mm -hmm. Yep. Where it's not all tube? Yep. Yeah, it's got a tube preamp, yeah. uh, solid state po mm -hmm. uh, or two pre solid state power amp. Yeah, so I got I bought that from Jeff, and I got a four ten Ampeg cab. Cool. Might have had a stack for a little while with the one fifteen. Those are fun. That might have been Jeff's. The fifteen might have been his, but I've absolutely been in a band with a dude who had an SVT four Pro, a one fifteen, and a four ten, like yeah. that exact setup. It's it's everything you need. It's perfect. It's yeah. a great. You can do that thing where you run. You can split it and you, run the yeah biamp. Yeah, yeah, which I tried. I did that. Um, I kind of went back and forth on that. But then you know, moving both cabs is a pain, yeah, and it took up extra space. So I was like, screw that. So mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they're just going <clears> to <throat> mic you anyways, and no one's or, really or run a di or yeah, di. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So best case scenario. Um, but that that stingray, it's a great base. Yeah, absolutely. Um. And the bass amp was really good. I eventually sold it or traded it for something, but mm -hmm. as we do. Um, but I played guitar and all the Duval stuff. Like I would do bass and guitar on, oh. the, on the recordings. Nice, cool. 
And then obviously, uh, thankful, thankfully for me and the rest of the world, Pope's got back together. Yeah. You said, so you went straight back to the telly with the P90s and the, and the um, Marshall at that point? Yeah, but that's when I got into pedals. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, no, I got into pedals during the men's group. Okay. Um, I started, I wanted to play cleaner. I was using my volume knob, but it was a pain to do the volume knob. And Sean Hewlett, who sold me the green guitar, was like, try a volume pedal. You can simulate two channels, you know, and you can clean up your sound. And so I started using a volume pedal, and I've used a volume pedal ever since, always. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's such a staple for me that I just assume everyone else should play one. Like, (laughs) use a volume pedal. I think everyone should, too. I'm in the same boat. I love being able to clean up, but... You never know. Sometimes you hit the volume knob out of the way. Yeah. Like it can not yeah. be exact. It's not as an exact of a science as it is if I can just like sort of pull the volume back a little bit on the pedal. Boom. There it is. And so you just leave it cranked on the guitar and use your foot for yeah. everything else. I've even used it sometimes when I played bass because I was so used to playing it with guitar. It was just com- comfortable. Yeah. And I found that I used it a little bit with bass too, hmm. depending on what the band was. But, um, so the, the floodgates had opened on the pedal world at yeah. this point. They, what what, what like, came next? I got a volume pedal. I got a Dan Electro delay that like lavender colored. The Dan yep. Echo? Dan Echo. Dan oh, Echo. yeah. I have owned that as well. Nice analog delay. Not a very well built pedal. I mm-hmm. broke a couple of them and was like. The switches are weird on those. They're like those it's like a button, right? pushy button thing. Pushy yeah. button. Almost like an arcade and, game button. Yeah. I think kind of cheaply made. Um, great effect. Awesome. Um, so, and that, I think after I went through a couple of those, I switched to a memory man, deluxe Mm. memory man. Uh, but yeah, so when we got the Popes back together, I was like, I want something to boost my leads. And I tried a couple pedals. Well, at at that point I realized it was really hard to boost your leads through a distorted Marshall impossible basically like if you're playing through a marshal that has distortion you can't really boost your signal all you're gonna do is just create a little bit more compression and distortion it's not like it's gonna get louder yeah so that's when i switched over to using a box of rock it i went through a couple pedals and then i was like oh i just play a clean amp get my distortion and then have a clean boost. And the Box of Rock has a Marshall, great Marshall sound mm-hmm. and a great clean boost. And I've been using one ever since. In fact, since, now you've even got this double Box of Rock going. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, once I found the Box of Rock, that, I mean, that's been my main distortion since probably roughly 2008. I would Shout say. out to Zachary Vex. I've, um, I've been obsessed with those pedals for as long as I've known about them. They're yeah. so good. They're great. And and Zvex is one of the early boutique pedal companies. It really is, like, yeah. You know, I used to work at Chicago Music Exchange. Did not know that. Um, whenever that was, 12 years ago or something. Um, yeah, Andy Gerber used to work there with the old owner. Mm-hmm. Scott Silver. Scott Silver. And, was that the uh, Clark Street one? No, they had moved okay. over to Lincoln, but... Um, uh, and 
you know, they had a bigger selection of pedals in most places. They have a bigger selection of everything compared to <laughs> yeah. any other store because of the size of the store. But that was like before that pedal thing had really blown up. Mm-hmm. Um, so there weren't as many companies doing it. But Zvex was like one of the ones that had already been around for a little while. And um, I love that pedal and have used it ever since. And um, I lost touch with my friend Tommy. And when I reconnected with him a few years ago, he's like, hey, I'm working at this company called Zvex. I'm like, holy shit. I love that company. That's yeah. Cool. Uh, nice and, Up in Minnesota. Yeah. And Tommy still works there. He designed that 59 sound pedal. I haven't tried that. It's great. I bought one. And it's similar to the box of rock, but it sounds subtly different in ways that are wonderful. Okay. It's not as high gain, but it's got like a... It's more like a tweed thing, right? Yeah, it's a tweed thing. It's kind of... He basically delved into the box of rock circuit and refined it a little bit more. And it's great. I had it on my... I've had it on and off my board for a while. And I would just use it with certain different songs. Like... Megan. I was using it on Megan a lot. Or songs where I didn't need so much gain. Yeah. That's cool to have sort of varying levels of gain staging to be able to kind of not just always be full blast or Mm -hmm. not always be not getting quite enough. Have just like a few different options on there. Yeah. I mean, basically, I was doing that with my volume pedal. Yeah. But I, because I'm a nerd with pedals, I started to... (laughs) And I bought a, a pedal board where I could fit more pedals. I just started putting more pedals on there. So... um. So to, as it like jumped to today, Popes, you guys just you just had a show. What was it, up in Milwaukee a couple of days ago? Yeah, Saturday, uh, Friday, Friday night. Cool. How'd it go? It was great. Yeah, it's a it's a is it a benefit show? What was the that one was, was it? just a straight show. Uh-huh. We, we did a Christmas show last year called Heartbreak for the Holidays. So we did another Christmas show. Mm-hmm. Was it at the Rave? No, it was at Back Room at Collectivo. Which oh, shit, is yeah. the place? It's maybe our fourth show in that room. It's a great room. Cool. And what, what is uh, your rig like today for that show? What would what, you have for that setup? Well, you know, it never stays the same. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and a lot of my favorite players are like that, where they're always changing a pedal out, mm-hmm. changing amps. Um. So I stopped playing that green guitar my telly junior because those pickups are too noisy and the neck was sticky. Um, finally, uh, I couldn't bring myself to sell it cause I love the guitar yeah. too much. I, I th- was very close to selling it. Well, close. I don't know. I talked about selling it for <laughs> four years. That's closer than most people want to get <laughs> yeah. sometimes. So, couldn't yeah. do it. I just yeah. couldn't let the guitar go. Yeah. I was too attached to it. And finally I'm like, all right, well I'm not going to sell it. So I might as well make it, playable you said you rekindled uh some love for it though. oh man it's a beautiful instrument i gave it to my friend dan who strack he i swapped out the pickups i found um i really like lindy fralin pickups yeah i have them in the bridge bridge position of both of my custom guitars from dan and he makes noiseless p90s Mm. And I went for the vintage wind, underwound. Are they stacked? Um, he doesn't call them stacked. They're just called. I don't know what the process is of how okay. he makes them noiseless. Um, noiseless. Yeah. Um, 
I have a stacked P90 in the neck position of one of my custom guitars. That one is a mm-hmm. Seymour Duncan stacked P90. Sounds cool. Um, Did he sand the, the neck down on the back? He stripped the neck. That was, and man, huge difference. Yeah, it's interesting. It right? looks a little funky because it was solid paint. Yeah. And you you can't really, Dan did a great job, I think. Yeah. You know, I would trust Dan with anything. And, but it was about the feel. And those noiseless P90s are great. And I really miss the P90s. Just as a rock pickup, there's nothing that, it's got this buzzsaw kind of sound that mm-hmm. is like amazing. Well, you talk and, about fitting into the mix, especially if you're playing with someone who's using just single coil, like yep. Strat style, yep. Tele style, or Humbucker. They will they'll sit in the same space but not conflict. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's a nicer combination with Josh. Um, he plays Humbuckers, and also that Tele Junior is a chambered body, so it's very resonant mm. with feedback. We like feedback a lot. Um, and I think it's a nicer combination with Josh's humbuckers to have P90s. Uh, I just started playing a double amp setup. Mm-mm. So I've had a, <laughs> a Fender 68 custom Vibrolux for a while. Um, yeah, you're saying it and you like, you plug into the, the basement side the of basement it, right? circuit. I will say shout out to Jason at Fender for hooking me up with that amp. Um, and uh, I recently bought a 90s reissue Ampeg. Oh, which one? one? 112 Reverb Rocket. Oh, yeah. Oh, we've, we talk a lot about the Reverb Rocket around here. That's um, one of our favorites. Yeah. Unfortunately, Avenue N guitars mm-hmm. closed, yeah. and I got it at a very good deal. I was friends with those guys. Um, Are they closed now? They're totally oh. closed. I'm sad Bummer. that they're gone. Yeah, we know uh, Phil. For a, a lot of reasons. Yeah, Phil and Tim and... Mm-hmm. Chris, my friend Chris Patai, who I mentioned, worked there, and Mark Springer did amp repair. Yeah, um, I've had some amps fixed by him. He's yeah, Mark's brilliant. great. He's still, both Chris and Mark are, if people need repair people, cool. I recommend both of them. They're still working doing mm-hmm. repair. But um, so I got this reissue reverb bracket for pretty cheap, and it's a very particular sounding amp. It really has its own unique sound. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've already swapped the speaker out in it twice. There you go. What a, oh yeah, wait. You got the it was a, that like red back. The red back, right? yeah. yeah. That's right. Uh, I dig it. I, that show was the first time I got to crank it up, and uh, I really like it. I had I had taken a vintage thirty out of my Marshall four twelve and put it in there, but wasn't quite doing it for me. Mm-hmm. So what made you go to the two amp thing? Was it just, you just wanted us to full it fill it out a little bit? Yeah. When I went to the two ten amp, I kind of missed a little bit of the body of the 12. Mm, yeah, sure. And I just kind of wanted another speaker on stage. Sure. And I wanted, I need to have my amp up on something so I can hear it. And I was putting it on the, my lid of my road case. Right. But I'm like, why not just, Stack it on another amp. amp. And then, <laughs> and then I Problem have solved. More amp. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's great, man. It's, I love it. That's super What's cool. on your, your Pope's board? I know it's not the same as the one that you brought here for us today. What what kind of pedals do you have on that one? Other than the box of rock and volume, of course. Yeah. I mean, I should say I have way more pedals on there than I need. <laughs> <laughs> and for this show, I had like even more pedals that I didn't need on there. Sure. Just because I could fit them physically on the board. Right. 
there's no reason I need this many pedals. It but, looks incomplete otherwise, man. You yeah. can't have holes on your board, you know. But my setup is um the I'll tell you what I just had on the board. I'm probably gonna switch it again, but um, you know, boss TU three tuner, um, JHS modded Ernie Ball volume pedal. VP Junior, um, baby. VP Junior. Uh, into I had the Earthquaker Tone Job on there. Which one is that? It's like their EQ pedal. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen that actually. It's got just you know it's got um, treble mid bass and then volume boost. Cool. Uh, that was more I was using for the um, pickups I had in my custom guitars. Mm-hmm. Which is I have the Lindy Freeland Pure PAFs, which are kind of low output humbuckers. So I needed something to to kind of boost it for feedback a little bit. Um, so it's not like you're that wasn't a leave it on all the time kind of pedal. That was no. more feedback moments and such. Yeah, and that's very recent that I got the pedal. Um, but the show I played, um, you know, last week I had the the P90s, and I didn't need that pedal at all. Yeah. Um, I, on the board, I also had, oh, I got a, recently I got a Benson preamp pedal. Those are so nice. And I have I this, love how that sounds. I have the exclusive CME blue, blue and, and mm. gold or blue yellow. Yeah. And I am absolutely in love with that pedal. It's amazing. I kind of split the set with the box of rock and ah. the Benson. I'm just cool. kind of going back and forth as I feel like it. Shout out to Chris Benson. Awesome guy. It's an amazing, Makes amazing amps and pedals. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine how great the amp sound. Well, come on in. We'll we'll crank some up for you. Yeah, because that pedal is like, it has a certain kind of body to the that is totally unique. Where it really does sound more like an amp. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going back and forth. I I had both of my box of like box of rock pedals on my board for no good reason. <laughs> So I had the box of rock and the double rock. So you had three boxes of rock. Three boxes. Yeah. I will say those circuits obviously sound, they're handmade and they sound very slightly different mm-hmm. than each other. Um, and the, the double rock, you can cut the, you know, the base. It's like sub cut. Um, and then I had two delay pedals on there. Um, for a long time, I've been using a deluxe memory man for lead boost. And then I use the vibrato a little bit sometimes, but it's a, I have one of the older ones that's fucking huge. Mm-hmm. You know those big ass oh, yeah. old electroharmonic pedals. Bent steel enclosures. And then I bought the newer, smaller one. Same circuit, same twenty-four volt plug. It's pretty much sounds the same. But then I found the Fairfield Circuitry Meat Mod. Ooh. And what's special about the Deluxe Memory Man and now the Meat Mod is, it's tough to find a analog delay that boosts the signal where it has where it has a level boost right that's what i love about the deluxe memory man is you can turn it up and use it as a lead boost and maybe have a super tight kind of mild delay Mm -hmm. but mostly lead boost and then maybe vibrato and super tight slapback but it's the meat mod smaller than either version of the deluxe memory man and also has um, mild compression that you can switch on. Oh, which that's is, nice. I've never used compression before, but I'm using 
that delay is a lead boost. So to have a little bit of compression is really amazing. Yeah. All of a sudden you can sustain for days. Yeah. And it has modulation too. It's not the same as that vibrato from the mm-hmm. Deluxe Memory Man, but it serves the same purpose. And so I started using that recently and it's got the level boost. And I love the Fairfield circuitry stuff, man. I'm way into it. I even uh, even if the even if I don't like how they sound, which I actually haven't found one I don't like, I just love the aesthetic no matter what of whatever it is that that bare steel enclosure, the stamping going on yeah. in there, they're so cool. I I just I I think it's the Spartan thing. I really yeah, like it's that. Like the anti-aesthetic. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It works. Um so for this gig I had my smaller deluxe memory man and the beat mod analog delay. Would you ever run those both at the same time? No. (laughs) Um, You've got them set to do different types of things. Yeah. I had the meat mod set for just kind of like the slightly compressed lead boost, Mm -hmm. pretty much no delay. And then I had the deluxe memory man set with a little bit of a slap back and would use the vibrato for like, the solo in need you around and I'll use it. If we play pure imagination, which we ended up playing wasn't on the set list, but we did it. Let me just say mm, top five favorite covers. Such a time. good cover, man. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. I, on my, on my meager outline, that was one of the things I wanted to make sure I mentioned how, just like in terms of how covers go. Um, that's well one done. Of my favorites. It's, it's insane. Thanks. It's so good. It's a, I mean, that was one of our favorite movies growing up. Likewise. Yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely. You know, if you watch the movie actually and listen to the song or like put the soundtrack on and listen to the song, it in the movie it goes along with all this activity that's going on mm-hmm. in that scene. So Josh's translation of it into like a normal sounding song is really good, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. Um and it's been I, I we might be the first people who have covered it. I'm not I'm not sure. You'd have to research. I'm not it. familiar of, of with I another. I think Harry Connick Jr. has done a version, but it was after us. Yeah, and other people might have, but um, it's a special song. It is in the movie, and you know our version of it is comes from a place of deep love. That's so. awesome, and I have deep uh, love for it. So thank you for putting yeah, it out into the world. Sure. If you'll indulge um, me for one moment, I would like to add that one of my first it was I played a my first open mic I ever played freshman year of college with a good buddy of mine, John Ozoxid, who went on to be a bandmate later on. Um, we covered, at his request, Rubella. So uh, I have covered your music as well. Oh, and cool, man. Did, you know, man. probably did an absolutely horrible job of it, but <laughs> still love that song to this day. So thanks for putting that out there too for us. Sure. I, that's, to me, the ultimate compliment that people have covered our music I w- I, ever. I, I, I mean, I guess in some ways I wish that there was an audio recording, but also I'm pretty glad there wasn't because <laughs> I was not at all confident in my singing at sure. that point. So it, I can't imagine that I did a, a very good job with it, but still love that song. So, you know, enough about me. Back to back to your rig. Is there anything yeah. else uh, after those delays that you're doing? Uh, or is that is that the board right there? That's the end of the line. I yeah. don't, you know, it's really ultimately for a long time, my Pope's, Rig was just like tuner, volume pedal, box of rock, deluxe memory man. I I could really play without the deluxe memory man. Mm-hmm. I it could just be the box of rock and I would be fine. I could you know, if I like 
flew if we ever played Europe, which I don't know if we ever will, but if we ever did, I would bring, you know, I would probably still bring like the meat mod with me, but it yeah. would just be like tuner, volume pedal, box of rock and, you know, analog delay. And the nice thing too, is that even though ZVX is a, a boutique company that they, they have become kind of ubiquitous and, and you can get their stuff. It's not like it's mm-hmm. some other, you know, tiny little builder where you can't ever find one if it breaks or something like, mm-hmm. like that. Like it is, it's a, it's a very boutique company, but they still have good distribution and, and a lot of people buy their pedals and stuff. So they're out there and you could find one if it broke. Yeah. That's the cool thing about them. Yeah. Their stuff is available and very solidly built. Oh yeah. I have been stomping on that box of rock I've had <laughs> since I bought it zero issues i've never had an issue with one of their pedals that's amazing and i'm sure that it can't the same can't be said for every pedal because yeah. you know stuff breaks it happens sometimes yeah but they they overbuild i think mm-hmm. is and you can get really custom hand-painted ones i mean that like that's so cool too that's cool yeah yeah i really want to get a woolly mammoth from them that's my next uh, zvex purchase i have two fuzz factories i have one on the board i brought today yeah the fat fuzz factory but i also have a fuzz probe I used to have one with the or- the orange. Uh, it was an orange one, not the green one. Yeah, I mean, why not buy a fuzz factory with a theremin built? You into gotta it? have a theremin. <laughs> <laughs> like, and also that pedal, like you could really maim somebody with that thing. Yeah, because <laughs> it's got that plexiglass sort of surround thing going yeah, with it. All of those probes that they have are yeah. like dangerous. You could use them as weapons also. So just oh, yeah. in case somebody's attacking you while you're yeah. playing music, you grab it and <laughs> self-defense. Probe. Like, you know, um, that's, that's man. I've you know, uh, I've sold a lot of stuff throughout the years as we all have, and and some of it I don't really care, but my. I miss my fuzz probe. I really wish I still had that thing. It's it's such a cool thing. It's yeah, it's, oh. it's it's good to have. I mean, I don't. There probably are people out there who keep them on their board. I have it just as something I bust out every once in a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you can't really play it like the 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 theremin part. You kind of need to take your shoe off. Like uh, it does for in my experience. Like I couldn't really ever get it to work right with a shoe on, I had to go down to like a sock or my bare foot. Well, you can tweak the sensitivity of it. Oh, There's yeah. a little like the, on the knob. Back, yeah. yeah. And I, I find I can use it with the shoe okay. personally. Right I don't on. know. Um, but I had one and sold it and got another one just cause I missed that. I don't have another theremin either. Hmm. I kind of want to buy an actual theremin. But. You can borrow my theremin I've got over there. See if you like it. All right. I, it's pretty awesome. I love the theremin. Yeah. It's a I, cool instrument. It's so, so difficult to play well. Yeah. I just went and saw a theremin player at Constellation. Oh, uh, rad. Her name is, I don't know how her last name is pronounced, so I'll apologize before I say it, but her name is Carolina Eek or Eck, E-Y-C-K. She's European, I think, mm-hmm. but she came through and played Constellation and she, she plays with like orchestras and stuff. Mm-hmm. So she is an amazing and play, but plays through a really cool uh, looping setup, and she has a surround sound speaker thing she Whoa, does. Wow. Constellation would be such a perfect place yeah. for that. Yeah, she was pretty mind blowing. She sings and does and theremin, and she's great. I recommend her to all. I will check that out. One of the fast, most fascinating things to me about the theremin—I mean, there are many—but there has basically never been a male master thereminist. They've all pre- like, the, and there right. have been, been very few to begin with, but they've right. all been female. Interesting. Clara Rockmore is the first. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Virtuoso of the, yeah, that's interesting. 
I, I, I have why. no idea what what it is. Maybe I don't know, but I I certainly can't make it sound good. I can, <laughs> if I put the auto tune part up on it, because like the theremini has like tuning and stuff on there, I can sort of fake it. But man, that is a difficult instrument. Got to get more play. elegant with your hand movements, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm too clumsy. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that was a absolute amazing journey of tone that we just went down right there. Yeah. I I am so thankful for, to you for coming here and talking yeah, to us all that stuff. Um, I'm going to take you up on the offer for us. We're going to, we are going to do a nice little recording of that, of that yeah. piece for sure. Cool. Throw it in. Um, you know, again, thank you so much for being here. It's been an honor as a fan of your music for a long time throughout my life. So thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, me too, man. Thank you. Really and, appreciate um, it. You know, tell the people where, where to, where to find you, what they can check out online, all that kind of good stuff. Oh, uh, well, I'm still in the process of recording my solo stuff. Sure. I, really appreciate the encouragement i need a little kick in the butt to like record the you know this thing that people will hear that i'll do with my um i I, i'm like slowly recording it at home but i need a little bit of uh, you and a couple other friends might have encouraged me to do it you got two more fans right here so yeah I've, i've i've been playing for several years doing these shows um over the past year i've kind of started completely improvising shows i used to prepare stuff and do covers and when i play i always do a cover of this Beatles song love you too mm-hmm. which i need to record um but the rest of it and also i'll do a cover of sycamore trees from uh, the the twin peaks fire walk with me soundtrack cool for, for twin peaks fans um second twin peaks reference of the episode and the first was a pedal yeah yeah i'm a huge david lynch and twin peaks fan so uh, i need still need i still haven't watched the new season i still love the show I'm, I'm gonna say this and not as hyperbole or exaggeration it's the weirdest tv show ever made i can't wait I need to watch <laughs> and that i'm up. not even maybe if you don't like it you would agree that it's the weirdest thing ever done i'm still almost on the fence there are aspects of it that i think are great but some of it I'm not even sure I like. Sure. Yeah. But it's, it's I mean, weird yeah. is fascinating. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm down to try anything out that is, is unique. So yeah. It sounds unique to me. Um, so, so anyways, I will be playing some solo shows coming up. I want to play more and release some music, but um, that's kind of, I've gotten to a point where I get like too many pedals together. But then when I get up there, I've got all these extra, devices to help me improvise sure and it's kind of a terrifying to get thing to get up on stage and have nothing planned oh. it's the ultimate I, uh, i'm I've, seriously anxious thinking about yeah my hands are sweating right yeah yeah uh so i did i did a show it's on youtube um this young woman was there who filmed it um so it was at the okay gallery a couple months ago and i got up and just winged it wow Outside of a couple like weird spoken word stuff I had saved in my OP1, uh, it was totally improvised. And it's, if you look up on YouTube, Eli DC, the letters DC, mm-hmm. and OK Gallery, you'll find it. And it's about a 34-minute set. 
I'm going to watch that and, and we will make sure we post that on the interwebs and all that yes, good stuff. Will. Do you, yeah. um, do you mostly do the Instagram thing? Do you do like yeah. Facebook or any of that kind of stuff? Where do I'm, people find I'm you on, on, on Instagram? I'm on Facebook. Instagram is, um, my handle is Eli caterer, Eli. Nice. Cool. On Instagram. And, uh, yeah, some, it kind of depends. Yeah. I go in phases with clips of music, but otherwise pictures of my dog and cat and shadows. You're good at those. And, I like those. And music. Yeah. Nice. Shadows, cats, dogs, and music. What yeah. else do we need? Pedals, I guess. Yeah, pedals. And pictures of pedals, too. Man. And pictures of pedals. <laughs> Eli, thank you so much, yeah, man. Thank this you, has man. been an absolute pre- pleasure welcome. for me. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.